Hi everybody, my name is Mike Zumo. For those of you who already know me and have come over with me to the Two True Freaks Network from Podomatic, thank you for listening and for following me over as I've changed RSS feeds. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, you may or may not have heard me on Fear of the Walking Dead cast with uh, Scott McGregor, Brian Hughes, Sarah Tonin, Beth Hughes, and sometimes Professor Allen. Basically what I do on this show is I talk about Superman on TV and in the movies. I started way back with episode one last year in with the Fleischer cartoons, and I'm currently in the midst of season six of the George Reeves television series, The Adventures of Superman. If you want to catch up on the show, I have uploaded everything to the two true freaks, so you can go to the Man of Screen podcast feed. You can get all the back episodes there. If, you're just, if you are coming to the show new, welcome aboard. And for those of you who have been listening to the show and have followed me over here, or were here also, as I've also been a fan of two true freaks programming, Thank you for listening. And I'd like to send a special thanks out to Chris Honeywell and Scott Gardner for allowing me to join the Two True Freaks Network. Now on to the show. The Man of Screen. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth justice, and the American way. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 63 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and in this episode we're going to dive into the next two episodes in the final season of The Adventures of Superman, The Magic Secret, and Divide and Conquer. And back with me after a several week absence, I have Bob Fisher. Hello, good to be back. It is good to have you back, have you been? I've been good, I've been good, and uh, I see you made it through... Season five, okay, without me. Well, <laughs> getting through things like the stolen elephant and yeah. Mr. Mr. Zero well, and the Prince Albert coat are not easy, but they are not easy. Someone they has are to not do it. Easy. But I, I admire you, and I'll give you total props on on being able to get through those. Of those three that you mentioned, I can actually enjoy aspects of uh, Mr. Zero. The elephant and the Prince Albert coat, uh, no thank you. No thank you. Season five is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And which one is the, the girl who has the horse? Oh, that's Joey. I did that. I did that a long time ago. Was that? That's, uh, that's season like, four. That's the was it? season okay. four premiere. Ah, yeah, because that's not one of my favorites either. No. But it's a little mushy for me. So I think, you know, as a little kid seeing it. Uh, I just didn't care for, didn't care for. But anyway, those are not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about, uh, and I mentioned this to you just prior to uh, going on here, that these are two of my favorite, both of them, actually, that we're talking about tonight. And, and, it's, e- and it's easy to see why. It's uh, These are two very Silver age stories. Yes, they are. And they're, and they're so memorable. They, there are certain aspects 
of both of them that regardless of the story or the main plot or whatever else is going on, there are things in both of these episodes tonight that are going to stick with you, particularly if you watch them for the first time as a kid and you're really into Superman and you see these. Uh, it's it's right up my alley as a Silver Age kid. Right. And there's a couple of scenes I even noticed today, particularly when in one scene uh, Superman's talking to the professor in Divide and Conquer. Right. And uh, there's a profile. The camera does a profile of George of Superman. And I'm thinking, my God, you could freeze that. And it's Kurt Swan drawing it right, right. there. Kurt Swan has drawn that panel. It looked just like it came right out of the comic book. It was amazing. But uh, but yeah, both of these have soft spot, soft spots in my heart. Well, Love one, these. One thing I was, I was able to connect, one way I was able to connect these two particular episodes is Superman is kind of taken down a little bit in both of these episodes. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that a lot on this show. You get to the point, you know, with the bad guys, it's almost unfair. Well, exactly. In fact, sometimes he comes in to certain uh, scenes and he's almost bored. Right. And he crosses his arm and goes, oh, um, haven't they learned yet? Right. Uh, but in both of these episodes, you're right. He um, gets a little comeuppance. Bad guys get him. Right. So... Before we get into that fun, we're going to we got some email from Dave McElvenny. Hi Dave. Hey Dave. Dave is talking about the Man of Screen podcast episode number fifty three, which seems a long time ago and it probably seems strange to you the listener because I've talked about I've read email from Dave about episodes in advance of this. <laughs> but I wanted to I sat on this one because I wanted to read this one with Bob when Bob was here because he was on this episode. Fifty three. So, fifty three. Do you remember what episode that was? No. What were the shows? What Bla- were we talking about? That was Blackmail and The Deadly Rock. Oh, okay. So, Dave writes, mm-hmm. Greetings, Mike. As always, it's fun to revisit my boyhood with you, and in this episode, Bob Fisher, by going back to the adventures of Superman. And I thought these were a couple of good episodes of that show. With Blackmail, we got two things that I always enjoy. A focus on Inspector Henderson and his friendship with Clark Kent, mm-hmm. and some good old Jimmy Olsen silliness. Thank goodness he didn't waste those years at the Vienna Medical Conservatory. <laughs> Right, that, right. this is the uh, cerebellum thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You've got a bad case of cerebellum. <laughs> cerebellum. Yeah. That still makes me laugh. It does. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, I'm of the opinion that Bill Ross knows Clark's secret. And like Pete Ross in the comics, chooses not to let Clark know that. Mm-hmm. This could explain why Henderson often goes along with Ken's scheme that seem to blow up in the inspector's face. <laughs> right. I, I can see that there's nothing explicit in this or any other episode of the show that directly indicates that Henderson knows, but it is part of my own personal headcanon. Here, we also see what a sentimental fellow Bill Henderson is, and that it's sentimentality that leads Clark to the clue that will help save him, and I like that. Mm-hmm. So Dave goes Yeah, on. I agree with both of those. Both of those. Those are <laughs> both good points. And uh, with the Deadly Rock, we not only get a rare bit of continuity, which seems to only happen when Kryptonite is involved, which that's <laughs> a good point there. Right. As well as an almost world's finest episode. But we get another in a series of quirky scientists, and I always enjoy them. The odd effect of the kryptonite on Gary Allen not only foreshadows some of the elements of, of the much later Smallville TV series, but also seems to go back to the original unpublished story of The K-Metal from Krypton, written in 1940 by Jerry Siegel. Mm-hmm. In that- I mentioned that on my show, by the way, back in... Well, I forget the number, but it was... I, had, I think the, number, the name of the episode had something to do with kryptonite. They didn't publish that eventually? Uh, not officially. I don't think it was ever officially right. published, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm losing my brain now. Right. 
I wonder if it was one of those many backup features in one of the books in the in the forties. Uh, yeah. Anyway, in that story, K-Metal not only weakens Superman, but can also bestow superhuman strength on an ordinary human. If you haven't read it, the artwork has been restored and reconstructed here, and Dave oh, uh, provided us with, with a link that hopefully I'll remember to put in the show notes. Good. Put that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but th- At least you do show notes. That's also very impressive. I'm, I, I do announcements. <laughs> it is my least favorite thing to do. Yeah. Writing is hard. <laughs> Especially because a lot of times I'm trying to be funny. Right. And sometimes after a long day at work, the funny just doesn't come. Right. And comedy is hard. Right. So anyway, hopefully I will remember to put that in the show notes. If this, if I'm smart while I'm editing, I'll do it while I'm editing this. Right. So anyway, back to Dave. I always enjoy a good kryptonite story, and I always enjoy the Man of Screen podcast. Well, thank you, Dave. I hope you'll still enjoy it when I do it one day when I do a real lousy episode. <laughs> I wonder if you'll still enjoy it when I do Super Pup. <laughs> Super Pup. Speaking of Mr. Zero. Anyway, live long and prosper, Dave McElvenny. So, thank you, Dave. I Yay, Dave. definitely agree. I wish somebody else would write other than Dave. Not that I don't love the emails from Dave, but I'd love to get some other voices in here. So, write in at manascreen at gmail.com, please. Give prizes away. Give a prize away. Let's see. Give a prize. <laughs> what kind of crap do I have here for my move that I don't want anymore? <laughs> Your your box of yard sale stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the move. All right. So anyway, thank you, Dave. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, play a promo, and then we'll come back with the magic secret. Hang around, folks. My name is Bob Fisher, and I host a podcast called Superman Forever Radio. In every episode, I'll take an aspect of this character's long history and talk about it from 1938 to the present day. From the comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, Superman has been part of my life for over 50 years. And if you'd like to know why, join me for each and every episode of Superman Forever Radio. So point your favorite podcatcher to Superman Forever Radio. That's Superman Forever Radio. SupermanForever.com Welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into The Magic Secret. Original broadcast date was February 10th, 1958. Writers were Robert Leslie Bellum and Whitney Ellsworth. Director was Phil Ford. Guest cast included Freeman Lusk as D.W. Griswold, Buddy Lewis as Eddie Vogel, George Selk as Professor Von Brunner, Jack Reynolds as Kramer, Kenneth Alton as Burns. Now for our synopsis, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Your number one source for Superman on the web. <laughs> Investment counselor D.W. Griswold is in reality the head of a crime organization. Including tonight's jewel heist, Superman has foiled four of his operations. While the Man of Steel does not know Griswold's identity, he sends him a warning via walkie-talkie carried by one of, his, one of the thieves under the gang leader's command. The device used by, Gr- by Griswold is burned once Superman's eyes help back his words. Now, D.W. Griswold has every intention of destroying Superman for good. Daily Planet editor Perry White is giving... High praise to reporters Clark Kent and Lois Lane for their work. Well, that's a good story you did, Kent, on Superman capturing those two jewelry store bandits. And your coverage of the horse show, Miss Lane, has been excellent. Thank you, Chief. But you! Wait a minute, Mr. White. Whatever I did, I didn't do it. What did I do? You know what you did. 
When I sent you over to cover the new show at the Orpheum Theater, I meant for you to write a review, not devote the entire column to a cheap vaudeville magician. But he isn't a cheap vaudeville magician. He's a miracle man. Honest, Mr. Kent, you wouldn't believe some of the things he did. Well, he took one girl right there on stage and he levitationated. Levitated. He levitated her. He made her float right on stage. That is a miracle? What else? Why, well, even passed hoops around her to show there weren't any wires holding her up. And not only that, she was stretched out stiffer than iron. Why, well, another girl even sat on her while she floated. It's one of the oldest magic tricks in the book. Didn't you used to belong to the Amateur Magic Society and do this very same trick? Did it all the time. Nothing to it. Well, you could do it again, couldn't you? Of course. Well, then, I don't see why you don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think that Miss Lane would mind uh, being the subject in this demonstration, would you, Miss Lane? Why, I'd love to be levitated. Sounds like fun. Well, of course, it's been 10 years since I did it. I, I might be a bit rusty. Oh, I quite understand, Chief. You might be a little rusty, as you said. But uh, if you're afraid that she might fall and hurt fall? herself. Fall? When I levitate a person, they stay levitated until I unlevitate them. Yes, sir. But like you say, Chief, you're a bit rusty. And... Rusty? Who's rusty? Miss Lane, are you ready? You, well, are you really? Right here. Go on, Miss Lane. We'll catch you if you fall. She's not going to fall. So I'm rusty, am I? You did it, Chief, just like the guy in the show. And it isn't a trick. Of course it's a trick. Look here. What happened? You mean you don't know? Mr. White levitated you. I said I would, didn't I? Golly, Mr. White, could you teach me that trick? Now, wait just a minute, Jimmy. If he did that, he'd be expelled from the Society of uh, American Magicians. That's exactly right. And now I'll thank you all to go back to work. Professor Von Brunner, who has dealings with D.W. Griswold in the past, has a means of dealing with Superman. He explains it to Griswold and his assistant, Eddie Vogel. Good to see you again, Professor. What can I do for you? Nothing. The important thing is, what can I do for you? What would it be worth to you if I would destroy Superman? You mean knock him off? Precisely. Professor, if I can find the man who can do that, I'll make him a millionaire. Only it just can't be done. I can do it. Just how much do we know of Superman? We know nothing can hurt him. You're wrong. He is vulnerable to one thing, an element called kryptonite. Everybody knows that, but what good does it do us? Unless... Have you got any kryptonite? No, and I doubt if it could be found anywhere on Earth. It is not in sufficient quantities for our purpose. Then what are you bending our ear for? Superman came here when his planet Krypton exploded into a supernova. Correct? That's right. That explosion sent a billion trillion particles of kryptonite into outer space. Particles so tiny they couldn't be seen with the naked eye. Correct? What are you going to do? Put on a space helmet? Fly out and gather them up on a butterfly net? No. But I have perfected a way of gathering energy from them. 
I've already prepared two installations necessary for the job at hand. Would you like to come with me and uh, see them? Get the car, Eddie. Square concrete hole in the ground. So what? 60 feet deep. The fall sufficient to kill anybody. Except Superman. True. But it's this which will destroy him. You're going to squirt water on him and drown him. No, my friend. Look. That is the second installation, two miles away. What is it, Professor? A radar pickup or a solar mirror? Both guesses are close, Mr. Griswold. But instead of picking up radar signals or heat from the sun, it's designed to collect minute particles of kryptonite floating in space. Sounds fishy to me. It's harmless to ordinary humans, but if I aim it at Superman, it will first rob him of his super strength and eventually destroy him. How do you know without trying it on him? I guarantee it. But as for trying it on him, that's your job. Fat chance of him standing still while you aim a gadget full of kryptonite at him. He wouldn't come within a mile of it. I wouldn't bet on that, Eddie. I think we can induce Mr. Superman to come right where we want him. Oh, yeah? How? I've noticed he has a close connection with a reporter on the Daily Planet named Clark Kent. Kent is a close friend of two other reporters on the planet, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. Congratulations, Mr. Griswold. You're thinking exactly on the lines as I expected. If we can trick Olsen and the girl into a position of danger and let Clark Kent know about it, he might send Superman to the rescue. How do we get Olsen or the girl here in the first place? By magic, Eddie. Young Olsen is overboard about magic. So we place an advertisement in the columns of the Daily Planet. An advertisement that will mean the end of Superman. A classified ad in the planet claims to teach anyone magic tricks, including levitation, for only $5. Jimmy borrows the money from Lois, who goes with him to his appointment with Griswold to protect her investment. She clearly doesn't want any part of Griswold's plan, but she goes with Jimmy to the installation on the cub reporter's insistence. Well, this is a funny kind of a place to teach magic tricks. I think it's great. Nothing but a square concrete hole in the ground. Kind of gets you, don't it? Yeah, it sure does. Oh, it's beautiful. Just what is the idea, Mr. Griswold? You'd hardly expect me to conduct classes on Main Street, would you, Miss Lane? Well, hardly on Main Street, but this isn't just one block away. And what is this thing, for example? piece of apparatus for what I hope will be the greatest trick of my career. You could say that again. A super trick, you might say. Golly, Mr. Griswold, will you teach that one to me, too? You can be sure you'll be in on it, my boy. Now, Mr. Griswold, Jimmy is primarily interested in the levitation trick. Why don't we settle this for that? Of course. But I intend teaching Mr. Olson how to do the trick in the most spectacular way ever devised. With you as his subject, he will levitate you from the very bottom of the shaft clear to the top. Wow! You mean you expect us to go down into that hole in the ground? That's right, lady. Well, I, for one, ain't a gonna stand for it. Come on, Jim, this has gone far enough. Just a moment, Slim. I was hoping you wouldn't make it more, any more difficult than necessary. Some trick. I told you this whole thing is ridiculous, Jim. I'm sorry, Miss Lane. The only excuse I can offer is I'm stupid. The rope, Eddie. Miss Lane first. You mean you really are gonna put us down there? I really am. You know, of course, you can't get away with this. I know I can't, Miss Lane, but I'm doing it, and I'd advise you to cooperate. 
be a nasty fall down that shaft. Go on, Miss Lane. Go on. As he and Eddie sit with Professor Von Brunner in the scientist's observatory, Griswold calls Clark, claiming to be a kidnapper who wants to go straight. Well, I can't speak, King. What's that? Jimmy and Lois kidnapped. Uh, that's true, uh, Mr. Kent. I was a partner to the scheme, but I decided to reform. That's why I'm telling you where they are, so you can do something to save them. I see. Will you please tell me exactly where this place is located? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think I know where it is. Thank you. But remember, Mr. Kent, if those criminals see the police coming, Olson and the girl will be in serious danger. In fact, the only safe way to approach the place is, uh, say, perhaps by helicopter. Uh, I'm sorry, that's all I can tell you. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Kent. However, the crime boss knows that Superman will arrive soon. And true to form, the man of tomorrow enters the concrete bunker to help Lois and Jimmy. Well, Superman! Hey, get us out of here! I see you've gotten yourself in a hole again. It'd serve you right if I left you in it this time. Oh, please, Superman! What? Now what's all this about? Superman, that's a long, embarrassing story. But how did you find us? Oh, that's a long story, too. But right now, I think I better concentrate on getting you out of here. Turn on the kryptonite. At Griswold's command, Professor Von Brunner bombards the hole with lethal kryptonite rays. Superman is now weakened. Worse yet, the walls are literally closing in on him and it and his friends. Even without his power, Superman has been able to do the levitation trick on Lois. Her body is now rigid to keep the walls of the bunker from crushing her, Jimmy, and Superman. Jimmy climbs out of the hole to redirect the kryptonite beam. The target is now Professor Von Brunner's observatory, and the resulting explosion makes D.W. Griswold call the police to turn himself in, for it's better to deal with hundreds of them than with one angry Superman. Lois, like Jimmy, had to climb out of the bunker when she and Superman were safe. She and the cover reporter are now in Perry White's office discussing the adventure with the editor and Clark Kent. The least you could have done was throwing me a rope. But I told you, Miss Slater, I didn't have one. They took it with them. I ache all over, especially the top of my head. Well, perhaps the little raise you'll get for a good story will help that ache a bit. Calling with great liniment. Do I get a little too? Oh, I suppose so. By the way, where were you when this story was breaking? To me, Chief? Why, um... I was practicing the levitation trick. Well, in that case, maybe you should have come along. Superman might have taught it to you. Why, Lois, what a wonderful idea. As a matter of fact, I think he did. Now, just a quick note before we get started. IMDb calls this the final performance on film of both George Reeves and John Hamilton. Really? It does. So I wonder if maybe this was the last episode filmed. Interesting. I had not, I didn't know that. That's that's news to me. I feel a little, little bad. I don't have my copy of Serial to Serial. It's up in the attic, and I haven't unpacked it. And because there's a couple of things particularly about this episode which I would like to know. And I think that, again, raises another good question. And uh, some research needs to be done. I'll bet Serial to Serial has that information. Um, but you say that IMDB says it's the last one filmed. Right. So, well, it says that this is the last performance for both George of, of George so, and John yeah. Hamilton. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, either way, it's, it's far from the last one aired. Right. Right. But they did these out of sequence and everything. So it's, right. But, but it airs so early in season six, it'd be kind of hard. 
Unless they shot them all before they aired the first one. They could have. I mean, there was... In a season. Yeah. And I don't know if they're still shooting it the way they used to shoot everything else. With uh, doing everything in the chief's office one day and... Right. Right. I think that is something that they kept throughout. Right. So, there could be just one scene in this episode that's the last thing they filmed. Uh, Again. There's no way to know. Yeah, I'd have to. That takes more research than I have in my brain right now. Right. I do not know that. That's first I've heard of it, and now I'm going to have to look it up. Thanks a lot. Well, I'm just saying. Dave McElvinny already knows, so Dave will write in because he knows the answer. Well, I'm just saying that this is what IMDb is saying, so. Okay. Well, we'll trust IMDb that they have their information correct. And, uh, but well, there are just raises a few other questions. Something else I would like to know is how they do the effect of the uh, kryptonite ray gun. Because that's obvious post-production. Right. And um, I wonder if it's rotoscoping. Yeah, I, I think that's how they had to do it. Right. They just had to do that. Uh, so it's done by hand and three or four different sequences. And then a whole different sequence towards the end when Jimmy is uh, crawling up the sides. Oh, is that what you call that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah you do have to stretch a little imagination in here but i want to tell you i do love this episode i really do but primarily from the point when the when superman shows up and says well you've gotten yourself into a real and jumps down in from that point on when they turn the kryptonite ray on and the way it affects george reeves and the way he acts and falls and from that point on uh it was memorable as a little kid. It's one of those things I was saying earlier that sometimes things happen in these episodes that just really stick with you. And that scene when they turn the kryptonite ray on and it hit Superman and he falls, it just really stuck with me. And I never saw it in color until way late. I, you know, I was probably in my 30s before I saw this in color. You know what I was thinking probably. after this episode then ended? Superman, hmm. you are being an asshole. By not uh, flying Lois out? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. But, uh, but again, time, you know, the period of time and all of that, um, yeah, he was being a little bit of a jerk. But that, <laughs> they did that in the comics, too. Yeah. To teach her a lesson. Yes. But uh, she didn't need a lesson learned here. No. And one of the other things that I kind of liked uh, about season six in particular is that Noel Neal seems very relaxed. You know, she. there are times when Noel seems a little fidgety, a little nervous, right. a little pensive or something. But now she seems really relaxed in both of the episodes we saw tonight. Uh, just seemed, you know, still being Lois, still the right. same Lois. But there seemed to be, a, uh, she just seemed to be more relaxed. Anyway, yeah, I love this episode. But, and we but lost, for that reason, for the kryptonite reason, not that it's such a great episode, right. really, but and, it is a very Silver Age episode. And season six also kind of continues the journey of Lois's hair, yeah, which yeah. which has steadily yeah. been getting redder as yeah. we've gone from. If you remember way back when we first got the color in season three, her hair was pretty black. It was pretty dark. We couldn't really tell. It was kind of, I think they call it, I don't know there was a name for it, but it's a kind of a dark red, a dark right. auburn dark tints of red and it's been getting you know it's been gradually getting lighter i started noticing it really for the first time in season five that her hair was really starting to get lighter right and now it's full blown full blown orange yeah yeah and i believe it'll get more orange as the season goes on it gets brighter yeah 
I think by the time we get to the end, all the glitters, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's full on orange, ginger, right. redhead. And the colors in his suit look a little weird, too. On his suit, on Superman's suit? Yeah, in both of these episodes. Yeah, but the red looks The great. red looks good, but the yellow and the blues are very pale. Yeah, yeah. The yellow almost uh, looks white. Well, you see, that's what they were trying to do again right. as they got, they kept changing the color of the suit to get it to show, a, still be red and blue, but right. show more contrast because it was aired in black and white. So they still really needed to show that. That, that the, contrast. Contrast. And if you play a, a season three or a season four episode and then go to a season six episode, it really jumps out at you how different the blues are. Right. And uh, you can actually now on this episode, uh, I think it was this one. It might have been Divide and Conquer. The sweat stain is there. Oh, you can see the sweat stains as early as Peril in Paris. Uh, Probably right, yeah. Well, no, you can. It's right around his waist. Mm, okay. And you know what, though? In Divide and Conquer, I wonder if the sweating was part of the, the makeup. Or they just let him sweat. Or they let him sweat. After one of the Supermen got shot. Right. Right. Well, well, we'll get to that one in the next segment. Yeah. Okay. So let's get, let's get to this one, shall we? We've got two men driving, and they're to- one of them is talking on one hell of a big cell phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe uh, Lois was using one of these when she was tracing the clicking in the uh, Superman serial about a decade earlier, when right. Professor Graham was trying to send a message, and they were, the phone company sent Lois to trace it. Can you hear me now? Right, basically. <clears throat> well... This, he can hear everything, and uh, eventually, after he stops the uh, the car, uh, Superman gets on the phone. And uh, and demonstrates a new superpower. He does. I've never seen this power before. Mm. Uh, but before he did a superpower, the uh, Superman has to do absolutely nothing to stop these guys. He just gets them stuck in the mud, and uh, they kind of get out of the car, run around, and run into each other. So, Villains as comic relief. Yes, and... Uh, the boss decides to threaten Superman by saying that I'm going to get you. I'm sure Superman is uh, shaking in his trunks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and this is the new superpower. Apparently he can send the heat of his x-ray vision through the phone. And it's not really even a phone with wires. It's a walkie-talkie. Yeah, it's a walkie-talkie, basically. And he, electri- yeah. he electrifies the antenna. And at first I thought maybe he was looking and seeing the signal. And then, no, because the other guy's phone seemed to explode. Yeah, he just somehow fried the other guy's phone through the walkie-talkie with his phone-frying vision. Yes. <clears throat> hey, I'll buy it. Yeah, why not? He can do just about it. He does whatever the plot needs him to do. Whatever he needs. Whatever he needs. But I'm really not sure what this accomplished. Except just that to he, kind of show off. Except that he won't be communicating with the boss here anymore. Well, that's true. So, so apparently uh, Mr. Griswold is going to take out Superman. He's going to succeed where many have failed. All right, so then we got Perry here heaping some praise on Clark and Lois, and as usual, not Jimmy. Poor Jimmy. Jimmy's on the defensive because he doesn't even know what he did. But you know what? Jimmy's young. He gets taken in by the magician, and Jimmy was very impressed by the uh, fact that this magician was able to levitate a woman. Perry was not impressed. No, Perry was not impressed because, you know, Perry can do everything. That's Perry's superpower. He is, he was involved in every obscure underground club or organization of Metropolis. He was because the plot demanded he can speak Arabic. He can and now he can do magic. Of course, I bought it. Yeah. So what do you think of this thing Perry was doing with his hands though? 
The little, the little uh, motion that he yeah, made. To, yeah. Yeah. Hibbity bibbity bibbity bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a while, nothing's happening. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And we're going to find by the time of this episode ends, everybody has levitated Lois, basically, except for Jimmy. Except for Jimmy, right. <laughs> so, Perry is an expert at anything the plot needs him to be an expert with. Well, they only got four of them. Right. Five, I guess, if you count the Inspector Henderson. Right. So, which we don't see at all in either one of these episodes. No, we do not. All right, so uh, now we go back to Mr. Griswold's office, and... Uh, Somebody comes in to deal with an enemy of his, and I wonder who that could be other than Superman. So here comes our Professor Van Brunner, who uh, apparently Griswold has had some criminal history with. And every time I think of the name Griswold, I'm thinking of uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Mm, right. So Well, I wasn't until now. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the, the, the Professor offers to destroy uh, Superman for money, obviously, because that's what all these professors are working for. Money. Money. Because some of them just have no money. No money. And uh, Griswold offers to make him a millionaire for killing Superman. Now, apparently in this show's timeline, everybody knows about Kryptonite. Apparently. I guess since there is none on Earth, it doesn't matter. The guy even said it. Right. He even said when this says, well, Kryptonite, everybody knows that, but there's none here. We don't have any. Well, as recently as Superman week, not everybody knew about Kryptonite. No. But that was last season. Right, that was the previous season. Right. Now it's common knowledge. Now everybody knows. And he knows that there's none to be found either. So. At least it's not like in the episode where I'm talking about on my recent... Well, no, never mind. It won't be my recent episode because this comes out way down the road and then I've already... Never mind. I was going to make a Perry White talking about... But Lois does an article for the newspaper in the comics with pictures of all the kryptonite and how it affects Superman. Oh, great. So she did an idiot's guide to kryptonite. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Both she and Jimmy have done that now with pictures of the different types of kryptonite. I guess it was a slow news day. Must be. <clears throat> so so he's going to somehow uh, gather kryptonite energy from space. Yay. He could have made a fortune with that invention. He didn't have to kill Superman and get paid by this guy. If you have an invention that you can literally pull chemicals from space that are microscopic. There's not enough of them to make a, a rock. But, oh, all this dust, and I can pull out the kryptonite dust. Well, if you can do that of kryptonite, you could do that of anything else that's up there, and you could be just making a lot of money doing that and selling that idea. You don't have to kill Superman. And probably. selling that idea more than once. Exactly. Killing right. Superman is a one-time thing. What's that's he going to do after that? Crooks are short-sighted. Yes. Obviously, he can't show him how to do it in Griswold's office. We have to travel to the very fake-looking desert scene. And where he's got his uh, invention that looks like a giant pump handle. <laughs> then he points to a radar dish, and which is actually not a radar dish. It's uh, it's the Vulcan satellite, and it's gathering. It, did you look it up to see what that was? No, that that's what the thing was called. Superman three that gathered the kryptonite information. <laughs> One's Gus contacts the Vulcan satellite. <laughs> no, that's just that's what he pointed to. It was just a radar. It was just a radar. Just dish. A radar. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's gathering kryptonite particles, and. What plan is complete without a big hole in the ground? Uh-huh. And not just a hole in the ground. Yes, it's a very square hole in the ground. Very. And it's 60 feet deep. It's a long way down. It is. And it's a long way up, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, all you need to do is turn the camera sideways and walk. It'll be fine. Right. <laughs> and, of course, all these scientists, <clears throat> apparently their job is only to build the machinery. 
They don't actually want to operate it. No, of course not. It's up to the criminals to use the invention. But this guy operated it. He did. He pushed the buttons and turned the knobs, slid the levers. Yes. So, and uh, here's where the show starts to go to formula. As they're going to use Lois and Jimmy as bait. And obviously they're going to get Jimmy with his love of magic. Because apparently, somehow, this guy knows that Jimmy is in love with magic at this moment. Yeah, I thought that was a leap, too. The only thing I can get out of it is, and this is, you know, you have to jump a little bit here. Is that, um, if you go back to the beginning, Perry White was yelling at Jimmy for the article he had written. He was supposed to be, you know, a full article about the show. And he just talked about the magician. Well, we can assume that it actually made it to print. It wasn't pre-print that Perry was bawling him out for, that somehow Jimmy's story got there. So the crook saw the story by Jimmy in the Daily Planet, raving about the magician. And uh, uh, the crook got the idea that Jimmy loved magic by that. See, that works. That works. It's still a stretch. It works, though. <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> it gets us where it needs to go. And I think that's all we, we can hope for. Right. Is it, it gets us where we need to be. A legitimate way for the crook to know that Jimmy is fascinated by magic. Because since we didn't actually get to read Jimmy's article, we can only go on what Perry was chewing him out for. Right. <clears throat> and by Jimmy telling us how much the levitation trick meant, that must have been the focus of the article. Thus, the criminal reads it. Boom, boom, boom. Done. All right, well, he's going to uh, go after Jimmy, all the magic he can learn for five bucks. It's good thing Jimmy reads the paper. It could happen. Well, they always do that. I think that's the funny thing also about the show. They do that all the time, and it's so instant. Right. A guy comes up with an idea, and he says, well, how do we do that, boss? We'll put an ad in the classifieds of the Daily Planet. Right. And, of course, Superman and Jimmy or whoever, everybody reads the Daily Planet. And cover to cover. From cover to cover. So uh, one of the things that uh, is promised to see see Jimmy is how to make people disappear. I'm sure if Perry could have made Jimmy disappear by now, he would have. Mm -hmm. There are people, by the way, who do still read a newspaper cover to cover. The whole thing. Some, not many. Not many. I'm a little more selective. (laughs) Right. Of course, uh, Jimmy is broke and he needs to to grub five bucks off Lois. And she pulls out a wad to pull off, peel off a fiver for him. Right. And, she, and she's going to protect her investment. Why not? Well, exactly. Why not? Even though she complains all the way there. All the way. And once but, they, but she she legitimate complaints. Right. Those were not naggy, you know, stupid out of it. She's going to let him know this is a really bad idea from the get-go. But she was telling him no, it was a bad idea for different reasons. Right. Because she thought the whole magic for five bucks was stupid. Right. She thought it was stupid. Now she's really upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After after this plan goes to hell, she's really upset with Jimmy. Yeah. And as usual, Jimmy <clears throat> fell for this uh, hook, line, and sinker. And uh, the way Griswold Henchman is talking, he's going to give away things. Because he's making all kinds of comments that if people are paying attention, they could have mm. figured it out. And uh, they kind of refused to, to go with uh, Griswold to the desert, because obviously where would you learn magic other than the secluded desert? Of course. <clears throat> they refuse until the guns are pulled. And they well, they went, didn't pull the guns on them until they got to the Until they to got the to the hole, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Lois was saying, fine, 
we're not going. And Jimmy said, well, Lois, you can stay. I'm still going. Right. In the office. So she was ready to bail, but he's he just took the whole thing. He's ready to go. Yeah, he, he wanted to go. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. So once they get him to the hole, pull the guns, now they're going to drop him down on a hole. Right. He's going to levitate Lois into the hole. <laughs> or out of the hole. Yeah. Well, anyway, the guns are pulled and down they go. Jimmy has one excuse for this whole mess, and it's that he's stupid. I am sure Perry will agree. Mm-hmm. But once again, now that they're even down in the hole, Lois is still trying to figure out why. It right. still hadn't dawned on her that they are bait in a Superman trap. Right. And that surprised me a little bit. You would think by now as many times as that's happened to them. Right. She'd have figured out what's happened there. <clears throat> right. Because, you know, it, it, so far it doesn't really make any sense. Right. Why anybody would kidnap. Lois and Jimmy and put him in a hole, there's only one reason, and that's to, you know, try to get Superman there. Right, and uh, at least they were kind enough to lower her down with a rope, mm-hmm. and not just shove her into the hole, and, you know. Well, it's 60 feet. They didn't want to kill him. <coughs> they wanted to kill them with the walls. Right. Squishing him in. So, this is obviously just another day at the office for Lois, in trouble. And she tried to give herself some company down in the well by trying to pull the henchman with her. So that was that- a funny move. I thought that was good. That was a really good move. That was. That was a nice little bit. I, I like the bit that's coming with Jimmy, though. He tries to run away, but gets knocked out for his trouble. Right. And, semi-knocked out. Yeah, I find it amusing that unconscious Jimmy can still close his hand around the <laughs> right. rope. <laughs> All right, he still has to hold on to the rope and right. not fall. <laughs> right. So, so he's only... Semi-conscious. Yeah, he's semi-conscious. And we can't stop... Nobody can stop the henchman now from making a bad observatory pun. <laughs> from the observatory, they're going to observe that what bait they will catch. Right. What their bait will catch. Oh, God. Love the car, though. Good-looking car. I think yeah. it's a Dodge <clears throat> something. It might be a Plymouth or Dodge or Chrysler. I have a feeling we're going to see that car some more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and it doesn't matter. We'll see the same car uh, sometimes being driven by Lois and Jimmy, sometimes being driven by the henchman or right. the mob boss. Louis Lyman, except he's not Louis Lemon Lyman. He's somebody else in that one. And he had a plane. <laughs> right. Right. So they're down in the hole. <clears throat> yep. Griswold calls Clark, tells him the only way to get there is uh, by helicopter. The only way to get to the where uh, Lois and Jimmy are. I paid attention this time because Clark's hat was sitting on his desk, and I wanted to see if, if he took his hat with him. <clears throat> Would he still have it in the hall before he goes into the storeroom? He did not take the hat with him, and he did not have it in the hall. So, yay continuity. Yeah, this, done good. They matched it up. There properly. is far less of that now. Yeah, yeah. I think they in just. In fact, there's only they did such a good job. There's only really one time here where uh, you see more than they wanted you to see. Right. We'll get to that. Right. So Superman. Lands, he looks down, makes a few jokes about how they got in the hole again, and about how they're stuck together. And totally ignores this weapon-looking thing pointing down into it. He doesn't even look at it. Doesn't even look at it. Like, nope, you're just down in a very square hole. Yep. And they turn turn on the machine. And right here, boy, I'm hooked as a kid. This has got me right now. Right now. Because now Jimmy is saying, wow, it's just like sparklers. Fourth of... But Superman... But Superman, one, two, and down. Yeah. Goes over to that wall, then this wall, then he goes down. 
And when George Reeves goes down, he goes down. Yes, he does. He is. He, a- and even though this is the sixth season, he's doing the same thing he did in the first and second season when that electrical room got him and he was pretending to be, and he just went down hard. Yeah, except uh, he did that for 10 minutes. Exactly. At least it felt like it. Yeah, but this one, man, he goes down. And those rays, I'm telling you, as a little kid, I was feeling those rays. Right. I was really, that was oh, kryptonite rays. And uh, then he makes Lois and he tells Lois, oh, no, not until they start moving the wall. In. Well, yeah, the walls are going to start moving soon. Because yeah. <clears throat> apparently the, ra- the kryptonite radiation isn't enough. Right. They so have they to turn the wall, to move the wall in. And uh, right away here, I'm thinking Batman 66 when now this starts to happen. Right. And it doesn't stop because the wall comes in, Superman gets Lois, levitates her. This is the only time we see a, we see the shadow of the arm uh, behind her that's holding right. her, the mechanism. Uh, but that's the only time in this whole episode you see it there and you see it again. I think they hit it mostly pretty well. Right, yeah. Um but then, uh, uh, you know, as, as Lois, because she's now rigid and the rays in the, and the wall is, and she stops the wall. Yes, because she's rigid. Because she's rigid. And, uh, Superman tells Jimmy to now, uh, shimmy up and, uh, two things. Na, 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 Turning the camera sideways, making right, it look of like, course. You know, and like, at this time, that radiation is still coming down, as I recall. And the radiation is still coming down. And uh, and the, so they had to do new shots for this. New shots from camera angles of looking up right. at the thing, which was kind of cool. But Jimmy, a human would have – you have to be so strong to do what he did. There's just no way he did that. Not in those shoes. Not in those shoes and not in that position. Um, uh I'm not sure there are many uh, Olympians who could do this. No, who could who could do it from with the <clears> walls <throat> still that far apart. Now, if they're closer, then you can get your legs <coughs> and your body body up against one, feet up against the other, right. and you can crawl up. But it would take forever. It'd be very painful. Right. And uh, but uh, as a kid, I ate this sucker right up. Oh, I, absolutely. I thought this was this episode is a comic book come to life this oh, was yeah. so good although and, i really did enjoy though uh because obviously superman is trying to egg jimmy on to keep going faster <laughs> and right. they show a shot of how far jimmy has to go yeah and it looks like he's got forever to go yeah oh, cut. makes it pretty quickly cut and he's up at the top and then the, actually the cut from above showing his hand then grab on and the other wall being so far away, there's no way his foot right. would reach it. So, you know, if you if you critically look at this, it doesn't work at all. It totally no. falls apart. But for what it is and suspending that disbelief and then, of course, being, you know, a kid, uh, it's just a, it's just an enthralling episode. Right. And then when Jimmy gets out and turns the thing back on them, we have the comic relief again of them getting blown up. Right. I mean, you have to... Uh Suspend disbelief from the minute that those walls don't crunch Lois's bones. <laughs> right, right. I don't care how they rigid set they that are. Up earlier, I think they did set it up with the first time they did the trick that it that's one of the side effects in quotes of uh, of the trick is it does make the body rigid as steel or something. I mean they 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 mention something like that, right? But um, 
once again, and it, it was very funny. And then the, when they explode him, and then Superman making Lois, uh, you know, she could not do what Jimmy could not do. No, she could not. You know, but there was no way to really shoot it so that you know, as they did, there was a nice cut of George jumping up, right, and then cutting to a little piece of film played backwards, uh, which makes it look like he's coming out and landing. But right. um, there, it would have been really difficult, I think, for them to shoot him grabbing her and well, picking her up. They, def- they definitely could have shoot him lifting her out, but they could have. They could have probably done something but i think they were really more interested in the little right the uh, little bit of having lois try to uh right get out that way plus the fact you know your target audience is still little kids and girls are icky you know and superman and lois they're kind of girlfriends but not really in this show not in this show really this show not not. in this show Uh -uh. it's she wants he does not right so uh he still stays very formal right miss lane he, I think he even said Miss Lane when he told her to face the wall. Turn around, Miss Lane, and, and face the wall. Turn around, face the wall. Yeah. We're going, you're going to get levitated again. Yeah. But uh, but overall, as a as an episode, it's probably not one of the better ones. Right. But to me, it's one of the better ones. I love this episode. Right. Just really do. So I know talk- it falls apart, but it's <laughs> – and it's all because of that scene in the ray gun. Right. If the ray gun had not been in this – if they had dropped a hunk of kryptonite down in there that Jimmy couldn't throw 60 feet out, right? that that would not have done it for him. It was the ray and the way that George absolutely sold that Superman was in pain going down. And uh, it, I, I, I give this one very high marks. Right. Let's talk for a minute about the criminals. We haven't – about how they end up. As comic relief. Yeah, they look like cartoon characters who had just had dynamite blow up in their faces. That's exactly what it is. It's a Warner Brothers cartoon where Daffy Duck, the explosion, basically knocks his bill around. Or something. Right. But everybody has, you know, smudges and their clothes are ripped. Right. But uh, no harm to them, actually. No. And Griswold, uh, he's going to call the police. <laughs> he's going to turn himself yeah. in because he doesn't right. want to mess with the Superman. Right. First season, those guys are blown to smithereens. Right. You know, this season, it's comics code approval. It's nobody, no blood. Everything is, you know, everything's okay. They're just going to jail. He'll be very happy to go to jail, too, so he doesn't have to deal with Superman anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So after, uh, so Lois inches up like a caterpillar, and then we go back to the planet, where apparently Lois and Jimmy get raises again. And Jimmy is still the only person not to be involved in, le- in the levitation trick. And never learned how to do it. Nope, and never yep. learned how to do it. Nope. But apparently Clark learned. Superman knows. Yeah. Well, Superman knows everything. Yeah. And uh, But I did think it was interesting because Clark's, you know, at, the, at that last little phrasing, the words where um, uh, Lois was saying <laughs> Superman could have taught you. And he said, well, maybe he did or I mi- he might have. Right, he might have. I think he might have. Well, you would know if he's taught it to you or not, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah, there would be no, well, I think he taught it to me. No, he either did or he didn't. Come on, Clark. But it was all cutesy. Sometimes I think they almost make up those end things on the spur. Right. You know, George, say something cute and put your arm around Noel. Let's go. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they're better, the endings are better than others. Right. This one was a little. Awkward, little fumbly. I don't remember which episode it was, but there was one episode where they didn't even bother to give it an ending. Mm. 
Right. But uh, all in all, again, a favorite of mine, though maybe critically not as uh, – I'm not even going there. I like it for a color episode, right. final season episode. It hit all my little marks that I needed it to. The uh, the kryptonite ray makes it memorable, as does the, the bit of the yeah. levitation. Right. The kryptonite ray and the <clears throat> levitation – as the running joke throughout, or the theme for, but and then for Superman to actually use it. So it I mean, very, it's very a very cool. simple story. Oh yeah, yeah. Unlike the next one we're going to deal with, which is a little more meaty, but uh, you know, this almost this episode is almost elegant in how simple it is. Yeah, Lois and Lois and Jimmy get into trouble, fall into a trap. Superman falls into the trap. They have to find the way out. Yeah, that's all this episode is, and all this episode needs to be. And, and Jimmy, looking to learn the trick, right. does not learn the trick, but nope. is the hero of the episode. Crawling up the walls, deflecting the kryptonite rays. Superman didn't save the day. Jimmy No, did. he did not. Jimmy saved the day. In fact, as soon as Superman gets his strength back, he kind of said, well, wow, okay, that was close. See ya. Yeah, he, and, left, and left Lois in the hole. Exactly. As a kid, I probably laughed at that. Probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm getting the hell out of here before something else happens. Really? All right. I don't got much else on this one. I feel like we blew through this one. Yeah. It's a good one, though. It like is. it. All right. So I'm going to say we take a break. We'll play a promo, and then we'll come back with Divide and Conquer. Woohoo! Hang around, folks. As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, two, all right welcome back folks we're going to head right into divide and conquer original broadcast date was february 17th 1958 writers were robert leslie bellum and whitney ellsworth director was phil ford phil ford maybe came from boston for a minute there (laughs) guest cast included donald lawton as president patillo Robert Tafour as Vice President Obreon, Everett Glass as Professor Lucerne, Jack Wrightson as Felipe Gonzalez, and Jack Littlefield as the Prison Guard. And notice uh, all these Hispanic characters play, all played by white dudes. Every one of them. Muchos gracias. <laughs> now for our synopsis. Brushy. Nice to see that Lucerne, nice to see that Lucerne got uh, higher up in the credits. Yes. I don't even know. I don't even remember who Felipe Gonzalez is. <laughs> oh, was that the vice president's henchman? Yeah, that's the guy that went around with the vice president everywhere. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that he's hot, that he got a better uh, billing than the prison guard. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> si, senor, that's the only thing missing from that prison guard. Yeah, see, si, senor. I don't even think he spoke. 
Yeah, I remember he was telling, he does not look like a real Superman. Oh, right, yeah. When I pointed my gun, half in jest. I know, he slept. Yeah. Now for our synopsis, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Your number one source for Superman on the web. Well done, sir. Yay. Our story takes us to South America, where Daily Planet editor Perry White and reporter Lois Lane are sucking up to President Patillo. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Perry White and reporter Lois Lane are speaking with President Patillo. Senor White, you do us honor with your plan to publish a Latin American edition of the Daily Planet here. I can assure you of my complete cooperation. Well, I'm counting on that, Mr. President. As I was just saying to Miss Lane and Mr. Kent, your government is a model of progress and integrity. You're kind to say so. Actually, our prosperity comes from the mines my country owns. The land is rich in metals. And you use the money for the good of the people. Fortunately, there are certain unscrupulous politicians who would like to put me out of office. Then they would take over the mines and steal the profits for themselves. In the meantime, Vice President Obreon is conspiring with Cabinet Member Felipe Gonzalez. A briefcase containing a bomb has been placed in Patillo's office. I guess technically it should be Patillo. It is to go off at noon. Once the device eliminates the President, Obreon can take his place in rule with an iron fist. Patillo has been doing everything he can to help people, but this does not sit well with his second-in-command. Obreon, however, did not count on Superman preventing the vile act of terrorism. Clark, having forced Perry and Lois out of the office, heard the ticking before changing into the costumed hero. The Man of Steel's impervious body took the brunt of the explosion, thereby saving Patillo. Unfortunately, to cover his tracks, Obreon uses the law to assist him. For nada. Señor Presidente, you're still alive. Yes. Thanks to Superman, he is more concerned over my welfare than certain of my own countrymen. We are thankful that your life has been spared. But as for Superman, arrest him. Arrest Superman? He's the one who saved me. Perhaps it only looked that way. Maybe it was he who brought the bomb into your office. Well, but that's for the courts to decide. Arrest him. Stop this nonsense! I forbid it! Permit me to remind you. When an attempt is made on the life of our president, anyone with him must be arrested on suspicion. It is the law. And according to our constitution, if you break the law, you can be removed from office. And just who would take his place? As vice president, uh, I would. I submit to arrest. Knowing that President Patillo will be impeached should he break out of his cell, Superman must figure out a way to keep the foreign leader safe. If his enemies try again to assassinate him, they may succeed. You must break out of here. No, 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 no. If I did that, he'd be impeached tomorrow, and that'd be a disaster for the entire country. However, there is one thing you can do for me. There's an old friend of mine back home. His name is Professor Lucerne. He's been of tremendous importance to me on matters of very grave, grave consequence. However, I want you to call him, or rather cable him, and tell him to fly down here at once. We'll do it right away. Come along, Lois. Once he's arrived, Lucerne explains about the molecular density of any form of matter. Seemed urgent. Yes, it was. Won't you sit down, please? As soon as I got Mr. White's cablegram, I caught the first plane south. I just arrived. Imagine you in prison. <laughs> Did Mr. White explain the circumstances? He and Miss Lane met me at the airport and told me everything. I see. Then you know my problem. As I see it, you are obligated to stay in prison to save the president's job. And yet you must break out to protect his life. And to catch and punish his enemies. 
But how can I be at two places at once? Unfortunately, I wasn't born twins. Uh, unfortunately not. But do you remember a discussion we once had about molecular density? Oh, yes. Uh, all matter is composed of molecules, and all molecules are composed of atoms. Mm, correct. That applies to solids, liquids, gases, everything. The atomic and molecular structure of any substance determines its strength and weight. Yeah. Including your own. I understand. You are made up of molecules and atoms. Everybody is. Yours happen to have greater density. They're packed more closely together, giving you your super strength and making it impossible for you to be injured or hurt. I see. Now, let me understand this. If I can expand my atomic structure by driving the, the molecules farther apart, then separate them. There might be two of you instead of one. Of course, if it is possible, they require an extraordinary concentration of willpower. Naturally. But with a person of your great ability, I think it might work. Theoretically, at least. Well, thank you, Professor. I think you've solved our problem. At least I'm going to try it. I must warn you, the experiment may be dangerous. If you do separate into two, then each of you will be only half as strong and only half as powerful. You could be wounded by bullets. Mm -hmm. It'd be hurt by your enemies. Even flying through the air might be difficult or impossible. Well, it's just a risk I'll have to take, sir. And there's one other danger. Sometimes a theory may work one way, but not in reverse. If you do separate into two, it may be impossible for you to fuse yourself together again into one single Superman. If this happens, both of you might perish. Well, Professor, I'll worry about that when the time comes. From the bottom of my heart, I wish you luck. Thank you, Professor, and bless you. God, God, ready to leave now. Superman has succeeded in splitting himself into two people. One is broken out of prison with the other's aid, as he was not strong enough to pull the cell window's bars alone. As Double flies away, Superman remains incarcerated after placing the bars back where they belong. In the meantime, President Patillo was told Lois and Perry that he will dissolve the county, country's government. Don't you have any idea at all be who's behind all this? I have a strong suspicion it is Vice President Obreon who would like to take over. He and Felipe Gonzalez, one of my cabinet members, are like that. And they are both ambitious men. Ambitious and greedy for money. But there must be some way to stop them. There is. In a day or two, I shall dissolve my government and ask for a new election. That will put Senor Obreon out of office. But it will put you out, too. Yes. But it will also let me campaign for the truth. The voters can decide whether to re-elect me for honest government or replace me with a scoundrel like Obreon. I'm sure he will be defeated. And I'm sure you're right. And you can count on the Daily Planet for support up to the hilt. Gracias, Senor White. Lois, I think we better be getting back to the hotel. And, Senor, don't forget you're going to take us on a tour of the mines tomorrow. It will be a pleasure. Thank you, and good night. Buenas noches. Hasta mañana, entonces. Good night. Good night. Believing Clark Kent is Superman because he hasn't been seen since our hero went to prison, Lois has gone with Perry to the mild-mannered reporter's hotel room. 
The second caped wonder is actually pretending to need a rest after the bombing in the president's office is Clark. He has learned that Lois intends to interview Obreon in, in an effort to trap him, but T.O. suspects that the vice president is trying to kill him. It is for this reason he wants a new election. This does not sit well with Obreon, who reveals his intentions after Lois leaves his office. Felipe, this young girl knows more than she's telling. President Patillo must have hinted to her that he plans to hold a general election as a vote of confidence. If there is a new election, he will win by a landslide. He will be voted out of office, and we will never get our hands on the mine. Yes, we must act quickly before he has time to call for this election. We must remove him permanently. But how? How? I happen to know that he is planning to take Mr. White and Miss Lane on an inspection tour of the abandoned mines at San Gabriel. As you know, those mines go almost a mile deep. President Patillo, Lois, and Perry are taking an inspection tour of some abandoned mines in San Gabriel. Felipe Gonzalez and Vice President Obreon hide as they wait for them to enter. When a detonator's plunger is pushed down, dynamite will cause a cave-in that will trap the trio. Obreon and Gonzalez know from the prison guard that Superman is still in his cell. The villains are confident they will be able to commit their act of sabotage without any interference. Tons of rock bury President Patillo, Lois, Perry, and the two bodyguards in the mine. Obreon spreads a rumor that Superman escaped prison to attempt to assassinate Patillo. An angry mob is outside screaming for justice. Superman is worried when Obreon arrives with shocking news. What would you say if I were to tell you that I am considering ordering your release? I would say that you have no authority to do so. But I do have the authority. As President of the Republic. As President? Yes, yes, my friend, President. Unfortunately, President Patillo and his North American newspaper friends perished at a cave-in at the San Gabriel mine. No. So as I was saying, I may consider ordering your release. My decision will depend upon whether or not you are able to break through these steel bars. Thank you for the demonstration, my friend. You have my permission to leave whenever you wish. Open the door. You see? You can walk out the front door a free man. Yes, I can walk out the front door a free man, as you said, right in the arms of your mom. Or I can leave by that window. I'm afraid you can't. The bars on the window are at least as strong as these. Uh-huh. But I had some help with those. In the meantime, the second Superman is there having difficulties moving a simple stone. Things are grim for Lois and the rest of the group, as Vice President Obreon and Felipe Gonzalez prepare a document that will put the mines in their control in order to line their pockets with money. Well, as Lois Lane would say, boy, am I glad to see you. It has been a little rugged, hasn't it? Professor Lucerne was right all the way. How did you get out? The Vice President gave his official okay for my release. Or if what he said was true, he may now be president. It may very well be true. Unless we do something about it. That means we have to become one person again. If we can. It's a sense we're no good the way we are. We must try. That we must. The two supermen have become one person again. The man of steel borrows underground to create a new tunnel. In addition to the president and his bodyguards, Lois and Perry being free, a new vein of ore has been discovered. Patillo tells of this 
when he and Superman confront O'Brien Gonzalez about the assassination attempt. This document places the mines under our personal control. From now on, the money will go into our pockets instead of the national treasury. That's why you are wrong, senores. President Patillo and Superman. Yes, Superman. Not only did they rescue us, but you may be interested to know that in digging a new tunnel to reach us, he uncovered a new vein of ore worth millions of dollars, which my government will use for the benefit of the people. And now, you are both under arrest for trying to destroy me. You cannot prove we had anything to do with this. We have all the proof we need right here. Both your fingerprints are on this detonator box. Arrest these criminals! The only governing the corrupt politicians Felipe Gonzalez and Vice President O'Brien will do will take place in a prison cell thanks to Superman. Perhaps they'll even get the same one he was in. Lois and Perry are at Clark's hotel room. Must be asleep. Kent, where in the blazes are you? Well, come in, Chief. Come in. Huh. Don't have to kick the door down, Chief. I don't suppose you would be interested in hearing about what's been happening to us. Oh, has something happened, sir? Oh, not much, really. We've just been in a cave-in. There's been an attempt on the president's life. Superman rescued us. And we've cabled the story of the year to the Daily Planet while you have been resting your shattered nerves. And you want to hear something funny? Yes, sir. At one time, Miss Lane had the ridiculous idea that you were Superman. Who, me? <laughs> well, I realize it's pretty silly. You've been sitting here while Superman was in that awful jail. I, I do see what you mean, though. It's difficult even for Superman to be two places at once, isn't it? <sighs> so, Bob, what do you think of this one? Oh, this is a great episode. This is a great, great, great episode. It's got all everything you need for a great Superman episode. Something, you know, everything. You know, Lois in trouble, Perry being a great Perry, Clark having to, you know, be Clark and get a, get them out of there and change. And then Superman doing some great super stunts. We see X-ray vision. We see him, you know, smothering a bomb, flying, breaking out of jail, becoming two people, a we, great scientist. We also see George's bowel and bowel movement face. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, George, uh, one of the downsides, if you wanted to be really, really, really critical of this episode is that some of the close-ups on George's face, you, you're starting to see the wear and tear on him, right. on his, not just a costume, but on him, his age is starting to show, but you know what? In this episode, it works. It works beautifully in because this the two supermen, you can see them getting weaker as the episode goes on. Exactly. I'm telling you that scene where, uh, the first Superman gets to the cave-in site, and he can't crush a rock, can't do anything, and he sits down and just puts yeah, his hand up. Yeah, that's to the his one head. gripe I have with the synopsis. It keeps yeah. saying the second Superman is the one that went out. Yeah, it wasn't. It was the, the way I followed Superman. it, it was the first Superman that went out. It was the first yeah. Superman, and the second one stayed in the jail. Yeah, exactly. But uh, they try to make it seem at the end that it was, you know, as if one is an original and one is a copy. The the way it worked this time is that there's no copy. There's not like a, they're two identical right. uh, halves here. And, uh, but when that scene of him there, he is exhausted. He's beat. He's right. tired. And he looks it. And uh, it worked for him in this and even episode. At, and we'll get to that at the end. Even the second Superman, who has who was shot leaving the, the jail, mm -hmm. is sweating. Right. So they do a good job showing the weakness of both Supermen. 
Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought they did a good job with all of them. I think everybody was in character. Everybody was doing the right thing. But there wasn't there were no real joking stuff here. This was not, you know, a comic. This was more of a, a much more serious episode, you know. And uh, I think even the some of the shots, the way they tried to set up the shots in the president's office with uh, the president on the far left, Lois on the far right, the plant, the uh, lamp in the middle. I mean, it's a film kind of shooting that they did on this one. There's a lot more good in here, I think, than people sometimes give this one credit for. And it's nice to see Perry out from behind his desk. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, with quite a bit to do. Good lines. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, a throwaway. You couldn't say it was either Jimmy or Perry here. The story was, there's a reason for Perry being there. So uh, I thought this was just a really well done, well thought out uh, episode on everybody doing what they needed with good Superman stuff. And I liked that there were consequences to what Superman did. Right. That he just didn't come out and there'd be, he didn't split himself into two and then there'd be two equally powerful Supermen. Right. Right. There was a they, cost for, for what he did here. Right. And that he needed to be one in, in order to uh, save the day. Two half Supermen, that might be enough to say that Superman is over here while Clark is over here. Right. But it's not enough to get the job done. Right. And they do play with the fact that Lois is thinking Clark is Superman. Right. Superman was in jail and Clark was resting. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of like, uh, if it wasn't so hard for him to do, that could have been a regular superpower where right. periodically he just, okay, I can just be a half super. I don't need to be a full Superman. So I'll split and Clark, you go to the office and I'll just fly over and take care of that thing over there. Right. And I'm glad that there was a cost because otherwise it becomes, well, why doesn't he do this all the time? Exactly. Exactly. And it's because the cost is just too high. Right. Yeah. It required a special circumstance in order for him to need to take this drastic measure. Right. Which probably would have killed him had he had to he continue to remain separate. Oh, yeah, I think so. And, of, of course, if he tr- remained separate and tried to do any kind of Superman things on any continuous basis, somebody would have pull it, put a bullet in his head. Right. So, yeah. All right, so let's get into, let's get into this one. We're going to have a lot to talk about in this one. Mm. So... We start off with uh, O'Brien and uh, Gonzalez in, I guess that's O'Brien's office. He is, you know, being very coy about how he left a briefcase, and then he kind of gets to the fact that it has explosives in it. So clearly this is... Uh, right away they let us know who the bad guys are. Right. And that's fu- for this episode, that's fine. This, this right. episode is not about the mystery. No, it's not. This episode is about how is Superman going to stay in jail and do what he's got to do. Exactly. And I... Well, we're going to get to this scene next, but right after he mentions that he leaves the uh, the briefcase with a ticking clock that's set for 12, for, for 12 p.m., when it cuts to the next scene in the president's office, you hear the ticking throughout, mm-hmm. and Clark hears it. Right. That's I thought I always took that, that the director is giving us, the viewer, uh, Clark's super hearing. The other people don't hear it. Right. No. They, that's exactly what's happening, because... Right. Clark hears it and is starting to look around for it, but nobody else hears it. Because if you're paying more attention to what Jimmy, not Jimmy, to what Perry, Lois, and the president are doing, right? Clark, all you got to do is turn this episode on mute and watch Clark. Mm-hmm. He is looking around and he is trying to find out, find where that ticking is coming from. Yes. What's going on? Right. You, you, you can see it. That is all he's doing. 
they're doing one thing and uh he knows something he wrong knows something is wrong thinking. you yeah. can see the nervousness on his face because he can't find it right until he finds the briefcase right but before he finds the briefcase let's get to why they're there because mm. perry and lois and clark are in town because the daily planet is uh apparently they're going to publish an uh an edition in the republic no other name is given for it and the president is honored Apparently, this country gets all of its prosperity from mines, and it's very mineral-rich. Do you think the paper that they're going to open there is going to be a Spanish version, or whatever language they use, version of the normal Daily Planet? Or is he going to open a branch of the Daily Planet that has its own staff, its own reporters, it's printed locally? I mean, that's a huge investment. That is a huge investment, and I don't know, because you would think, I mean, the Daily Planet is... I imagine it's a national paper, mm-hmm. a, la, a la the New York Times. I think it's, yeah, like the New York Times. Right. right. So, so we'll assume that, that uh, the Metropolis Daily Planet is more than just the Metropolis's local newspaper. Right. That it is considered kind of a national, uh, uh, you know, newspaper. Right. I'm, like not, I'm still not sure what in- interest there is in it beyond the borders in 1957 or whenever this was written. Right. I mean, I mean, even now, I mean, do people in foreign countries read the New York Times? Uh, I'm sure some do. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are sure some. some but... do. Yeah. Is there any local news in the New York Times? Well, the New York Times does have a metro section. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess most newspapers have a metro section nowadays. All right, so. Okay. But I'm not sure what interest the Daily Planet would be. Uh, to the what? Republic? To the to the Republic. Well, no, maybe they, people want to read about what Superman's doing. That's it. They just want to read about what Superman's doing in Metropolis. And that's what the Daily Planet has. Yep. <coughs> so yeah, the uh, probably what gets them to the Republic is a little is a little uh, forced, but it, it just puts our characters where they need to go, but where they need to be. So they're there. Now we know why. Yeah. Now they know why. So Clark has to find a way to get. He's looking nervous. Eventually, he does see the bomb and. He tries to get uh, Lois and Perry out because they got to go see the new building the paper's going to buy. Mm-hmm. And speaking of his hat, this is another really good take. Uh, I'm sure it was in the script. I'm sure they rehearsed it. I'm sure that you know it was all part of the thing. But after Superman Clark sees that the bomb is in the thing and it's ticking, 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 and he wants to get Perry and Lois out of there, he touches his hat. As if he's going to pick it up and walk around to get him. And then he touches it, looks at it, goes, no. Right. Leaves it there. And then gets, uh, tells him so he can use that as the excuse. So that was, I think, well thought out. And, and I love when they do little things like that that shows that he's thinking in advance. He's thinking ahead of, of what he's going to have to do and how he's going to save the situation. Right. What I really like about this scene in particular is that while – Lois Perry and the president are working over here. Clark is working elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the courtroom scene in the town that wasn't. Mm-hmm. When Clark is talking to the uh, to the judge and way in the back of the shot yeah, is Jack, Jack Larson trying to make himself small. <laughs> right. And not be seen. Right. I mean, right. he, could, he could just be sit, he could just sit there, you know. Right. But he's still back there working. He's working, doing his stuff. Uh, but Clark had to this time. This was a very important bit. Right. In that scene, he had to show the viewer that Clark is being Superman. He knows something's up. Right. And they're letting all the viewers in on it. Yeah. yeah he, good he, scene. So he gets him out and then obviously goes back and changes into Superman. He uh, bursts through the wall in fine fashion. 
But George Reeves did jump a little too far. A little bit. Overshot the briefcase a little <laughs> <He did>. bit. <laughs> I did notice that. He come, the, the briefcase was by his knees. Yeah. He overshot it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he did not recover the fumble. <laughs> but not going to shoot that scene over. Though. No, they are not. And he, his knees are just as invulnerable as his chest is. So. Yes. I wonder if anybody else has noticed that other than us. Uh, I don't know, but I laugh too every yeah. time I see that. The guy, he missed. No. He didn't even try to grab it. <laughs> but the effect works. You know, The effect works. It's a nice effect. It is. And then they cut away from it so that uh, we can see the bad guys again. Right. Yeah, and I love the bad guys' surprise. They come in, oh, Mr. President, you're still alive. You're alive. And they're not happy about it. Yeah, and a convenient law arrest anybody that's with the president during an assassination attempt. Right, I know. Isn't that convenient? Really? Interesting law. Who wrote these laws? So, obviously, Superman does the only thing Superman can do in this situation. Yep. He's going to submit to the law. Yep. And I always like when Superman does this. Well, yeah, because it's Superman doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Right. And he'll figure out another way. You'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, early on, in, like, when we first saw the shot, people gave Henry Cavill Superman a lot of crap for getting arrested. Yeah, I know they did. And uh, that was not one of the bad parts of that movie. No, because that is what Superman would do in that situation. You bet it is. It's exactly what he would have done. He would turn himself in and let the people make the choice. Exactly. Exactly. Whether or not he agrees with it is immaterial. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's just a convenient way to get Superman in jail so he can't recover any more fumbles. Or exploding briefcases. <laughs> right. And apparently, I don't know, did I miss a line of dialogue where we, where everybody knew that this vice president was the enemy? Because... Uh, well, when before they arrested Superman, he did ask, and then what happens if I don't? Who becomes president? And that's when the vice president says, well, I do. Right. Well, Superman already seems wary of the vice president. Right. I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's well known for wanting the job. Because <clears throat> Lois doesn't really learn that the vice president is a creep until later. When the president tells her he right. is. Right. So, anyway, so we go right back to Perry and uh, Lois visiting Superman in jail. Perry wants Superman to break out to protect the president. But Superman basically says that's exactly what he's doing by staying in jail. And he asks for a Professor Lucerne, who is so important to Superman that we've never seen him or heard of him before. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But a good professor. This is a good guy. He's a good one. And he, and he is going to just uh, drop everything and fly to South America to, on a whim. Not a whim. Superman. Yeah. Superman has Superman's asked. whim. Superman says, I'm in trouble. Can you come? I'm getting on an airplane, too, and going to help Supes. Right. I'm there. What do you need, Soup? Ooh, man, this is bad. Can you be in two places at once? Yeah, he just needs to have a conversation. Yeah. He could have done this over the phone. So, uh, so well, I almost said that. He he said phone, and he said rather cable. Right. I, I guess he can't get a phone line to Metropolis from here. I think he screwed up the dialogue. Right. Salvaged it. <laughs> and they just didn't bother to go uh, reshoot the scene. No. Yeah, but you know, that's good. Characters can make mistakes. Uh-huh. That's why I always get annoyed with people. Whenever they a character says something, they take it as gospel. Right. No. You know, sometimes the character can just be wrong. Right. You know, the characters don't have the benefit of our point of view. No. So, eventually, uh, Professor Lucerne shows up. Apparently, he got there very quickly. And uh, Superman says, too bad, I wasn't born twins. So, I guess we know where mm. this is going. 
Yeah. Well, we knew where it was going beforehand. Right. So Superman. But if you had no idea what was happening and you're watching it for the very, very, very first time, that is the first hint of what is about to come. Right. And we and this we get a very long and talky scientific discussion. About molecules and atoms. Yes. And uh we should have talked uh, a little bit about cells too, because basically what Superman does here is mitosis. Let's see, is it mitosis splitting into two duplicates? I think so. When the cells split into two? Yeah, I think that's what you think you're right. So this is basically what Superman does. And he splits into two people. And here's where we learn the draw the drawbacks. The mm. so two halves will only be half as powerful. Right. And could end up getting hurt or killed. Well, it would have been very cool. And it was, you know, three, eight, let's see, 58, 59, 60, 61. So we're, we're three or four years before the invention of Superman Red, Superman Blue in the comics. Right. But that would have been so cool if when he split, one of them was in a blue costume and one was in a red costume. Yeah. God, that would have been so cool. Uh, yeah, that that would have been. But anyway, I also think I'll remaster it myself and recolor it. That's what I'll do. <laughs> I'll go. make myself a new version. I'll colorize it. So, which one are you gonna leave in prison? Superman Red or Superman Blue? Uh, I think I leave Superman Red in prison because he's the one that's going to eventually go back to Krypton or Kandor and not have superpowers. So he can just stay there and be non-super while superman blue goes out and does what he has to do to be superman although all he really does is go to the apartment and change to clark kent and take a nap right and uh you know he can't do this all the time because we can't have uh everybody getting a superman this is not oprah where lois gets a superman lana gets a superman everybody gets a (laughs) superman right everybody gets a superman no so i like i mentioned before i like that there are drawbacks here that this could ultimately kill him Yes, yes. That's the fun thing about this. That's the serious part of this episode is, wow, it's cool. There's two Superman. Oops, they're half Superman. Right. And they can be hurt uh, and killed. Right. And uh, adds a whole new level of danger. It does. And again, George Reeves absolutely sells it. Oh, definitely. Absolutely sells it as a weakened half Superman, both as Clark Kent and then later as both Superman, even in the same scene together. He and his double. And I like that the double are basically the same person. Right, right. <clears throat> they are both Superman and they will they are act both the Superman, same way. Right. It's not a good guy, bad guy. Right. It's not. No, it's none of that. It's no or it's not. Or it's not what the DC Comics did, which is coming up on twenty years around this time. Electric. When they, when they split the electric Superman into, into Superman Red and Superman Blue, where Blue was the thinker and Red was more of the impulsive Superman. Right. That's kind of the hawk and dove. It's almost a little of a Green Lanterns is now. We were talking about that during the break. <laughs> Green Lanterns comic is now. A male-female partner that right. share a battery where one is more aggressive and the other is kind of laid back. Well, not laid back, but kind of self-conscious and um, unsure, almost. Right. And right now, one of these supermen, they're both a little unsure. Right. They're not real steady. And it's not like what what Star Trek did, either. Which, no, when they split Kirk into two. Right. And, and what, I, what I thought, the mistake they made there was making one good, one evil. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of, they kind of tried to walk that line in the Star Trek about that the one Kirk actually being an evil Kirk. Right. He was just more aggressive. He was more the type A, let's get it done, but not think of the ramifications of it. Right. But it was uh, weird the way they kept describing the, again, you know, 
it was almost like the Superman Red and Superman Blue from yes. from the nineties, where <clears throat> one was a thinker and one was much more impulsive. Right. But I, I didn't like when they would describe Kirk as evil because that would mean Kirk was evil. Yeah, I'm not sure evil is the right way to do that. He wasn't no. an evil Kirk, but he no. was he was aggressive. He wasn't, you know. He didn't, yeah, he, uh, but there were parts of it when he finally took over before he was confronted again. Right. Where the confidence, he walked on the bridge, he looked and acted like the Kirk we know. That Kirk had the confidence to make the hard decisions. Yeah, but he couldn't He couldn't really make the hard decision when it came to it. You needed the quiet, introspective, more thoughtful one. Right. To really make the, to get it over the line. So very interesting when writers deal with this. Right. And, um, and I think they made some good decisions here in this episode of Superman where they didn't do that. They didn't right. go one evil, one good and expand it. I wouldn't have minded seeing another story where he splits into two. Right. But they but, would have had to have brought in red kryptonite or something else. And right. These uh, were who just knows? two of the same guy. Yeah, and this time it's just two of the same guys, same thoughts, same feelings. Everything is identical, and they're at half level. Right. Or even less, maybe. Maybe even less than half by splitting them. I got the sense that they were weakening as the episode went on. Yeah, they really needed to get back together. And you could kind of t see it in the landings. Yeah, I love those landings. Both of them. When they landed, both of them were weak. It, it, it almost looked like it was painful to land. Right. And when George, again, when he sat down the first time when he was there by himself before the double joined him. Right. Man, when he sat down on that rock and put his hand up to his head, it's just he totally sold it. Right. Absolutely, totally sold it. So just so terrific. But we're still, we're still in the jail cell. Oh, okay. Back to jail. <laughs> Back to jail. And uh, so the professor leaves. Superman stands up. Makes his best, I'm going to have a bowel movement face. And before the professor is probably even out of the building. Right. The uh, A very ghostly Superman walks out of the original Superman and... Boom. Boom, and this now two Superman. And his costume looks almost pale blue. Yeah. Really the, light. Goodness. Very light. Because it's weird. I noticed it really in this episode when they would go from the shots of this episode yeah. and then to the flying scenes. Yeah, the darker blue flying scene. It is so much bluer in those scenes than it is here. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't even... It might have been... I was I, thinking it might have had something to do with the double exposure they had to do to, you know, to do this effect. Yeah, but it's like that when he's by himself, too. That's true. It's just a lighter shade. It's almost like a and, metallic blue kind of color. Very... Yeah, it's a lighter shade, and I think the flying scenes might have even been fifth or fourth season flying scenes, some yeah, of them. they definitely were not... Uh, they were definitely early on. In the in the color, right, right. Earlier enough that you can see the change in the costume. Yes. So, so I, I found it amusing though that when the second Superman uh, solidified, he also needed to make the uh, scrunchy toilet face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess he had to uh, really concentrate. And congratulations, we have twin Superman. Now we have two. Yes. This is like the, the one time in the episode where they do use the double exposure, and we get to see uh, George Reeves uh, standing with George Reeves. Right, and he gets to. Yeah. One walk towards the window and one walk towards the cell and door. That, and that's the last time George will share the screen with himself because every other scene is very obviously the stunt double. The stunt double because right. I think he's about four or five inches shorter. Right until they until they meld them back together. George's that's a double exposure. Right, yeah, yeah. George will share. Together. George will walk back into himself later later on right. in the episode. Right. 
But every other time, we have two flesh-and-blood guys in costumes right there. Yeah. So, we see immediately that they're weak because the new Superman tries to uh, open the window, and he can't do it. I guess the first Superman is walking out the, uh, is watching the guard. Well, it's the one who's watching the guard that actually leaves, flies out the window. Right. He Right. He comes back, helps the double. So if you're going to call them one being the guy who stayed in the original position and two being the guy who walked two steps when they split. Right. Two left. stays. That's where the synopsis screwed up. Right. Because then it's number two then that stays in the jail cell right. where number one flies, flies away. And goes, right. And the guard thinks he hears something. Yeah, you know, the uh, taking the uh, jail window off the hinges uh, woke him up from his nap. But he gets up and looks. Nope, Superman is still there, and he goes back to sleep. So so far, uh, flying through the air is easy with this season four shot. So yeah. and now this is where we learn what the president's up to. He is basically going to lay himself off. He's going to dissolve the government. Yeah, countries that can do that. He is going to dissolve the government and ask the people to uh, vote for an honest government. Hey, sounds like an idea. Yeah. Where are you going to find an honest president, though? Uh, not here. <laughs> not here. No. Not here. Not even close. No. He can just... I find that amusing. He can just dissolve the government. Yeah. Other countries can do that. They can right. call for elections. I might, might even be in... Great Britain might even be able to do that, where their prime minister or whatever guy just says, calling for new elections in one month. I don't know, somewhere. Other countries do it all the time. Yeah, but that, that's different than dissolving the government. Well, that's true. But go- I kind of got the feeling he was, it's like, yeah, you're right. He's going to dissolve the whole thing. Shut it all down and then vote for the guy you want to rebuild it. Right. When uh, when Great Britain calls a special election, they're keeping the system in place. That's true. They're, they're just trying to get different, get different uh, people in yeah. the chairs. After their meeting with the president, Lois chooses this moment to ask Perry if it would be funny if Clark turned out to be Superman, because nobody has seen Clark since Superman's arrest. Right. And but the way she says that, gee, Perry, wouldn't it be funny if uh, it's what you've been saying for five years? Yeah, now, she, said that as if, she said that as if she had never mentioned that idea in the, at all. There, there's been probably a dozen episodes where that's the only thing you're doing. Lead phone books have been ordered to try to prove this. <laughs> Homer Garrity right now is saying, what are you talking about, woman? <laughs> <laughs> if it's something new. And it's not. So, here is we see the shot when Superman lands. So, he's weaker. He stumbled. He landed a little hard and he stumbled a little. Yeah, and this is the scene I was telling you about when he sits down. It's just so believable. Right. So good. So what do you think? He's, he's faking being sick. But I love that cape. I want that cape. At first you think he's faking being sick. But I wonder right. if possibly he's not feeling well. Who, Clark? Yeah. When he goes back to the hotel? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's not feeling well. And I, But I do think it's interesting that it, even as Clark, he should be doing something, not just laying there listening to the radio. Which is what he did. That's all and honestly, doing. I think later on when he does hear that they're missing, he was sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So with his glasses on, Superman wouldn't do that. Clark no. wouldn't do that. So that's where I take the leap that the separation has really affected him. And right. we saw the Superman have trouble landing, and we see the Clark is just really exhausted. 
Oh, and we didn't and... Mention, we didn't mention that when we talked about the other consequence of splitting into two Mm-mm. that he may not be able to rejoin again. Right. Well, he did mention that. He said it may not work in reverse. Right, but we didn't. Oh yeah, we didn't. But yeah, he mentioned that it may not work. Right. So there's some stress. There's a few other things mixed in with it. But yeah. Right. But apparently, Obreon appears to know about the president's plan to call for a new election because that's why he's trying to kill the president. Because he wants well, to. Well, Lois tipped <clears throat> him off. He was trying to kill the president because he was vice president. He would take over. Right. But then Lois goes and interviews the vice president and then point blank asks him something about, well, what happens if the president calls for a new election? Right. And then you see on the vice president's face, whoa, is he going to do that? Yeah. Oh, well, now we really got to get rid of him. Right. Because I think he knows he would never be elected. Exactly. So it's one thing as vice president to kill the president and then you take over. But if a new election is called, he's screwed. He's gone. How did this guy end up as vice president anyway? Yeah, well, they don't tell us that. Right. By hook or crook, he cheated. All right, so. (laughs) They have an electoral college. (laughs) Another problem, why is the president giving them a tour of the mine? Plot. (laughs) The president of this country is playing tour guide. Yeah. Well, maybe it's, you know, rich American, big money, yeah. big money deal. But he does bring a bodyguard who's relatively useless, but he does come along. Exactly. As they get to the mine, the president makes a quip about how safe it is, unless the mountain falls down. Or somebody blows it up. So that's that's the first unfortunate thing that's said. And then when they get to the mine, Lois uh, comments sure. on how she wouldn't want to be there during a cave-in. If they're going for subtle foreshadowing here... Yeah, that's the kind of stuff you probably shouldn't even say when you're going down. You shouldn't say, gee, I'd hate to be trapped down here. Well, of course, that goes without saying. You don't have to say it as you're at the bottom of the cave thing there now. And here they are. They got got their cave in that they didn't want. Boom. Boom. As you mentioned, Clark hears about it on the radio, and he is sleeping. They sure give that impression, don't they? That he is just pretty much out of it until the music stops and they break in and it kind of jars him awake a little bit. Well, that music did sound very soothing. Yeah, easy listening yes. in the Republic. <laughs> we now interrupt. An English broadcast, by the way, in the Republic. Good thing. Well, they never did speak any other language, so they no. never gave you an impression that it was anything but English. But at the same time, giving you the impression that it's definitely a different country, probably South American, maybe? Yeah, I thought I guessed it was South America. Mm-hmm. So Clark hears about it, changes to Superman, but before he leaves, he turns the radio off. That's that's nice of him. Click. Yep. And he flies off to the mine, and then it's another hard landing. Ouch. Yeah. This is actually the one I was thinking of, the landing here right, now. Yeah. He almost, he's still by himself. He hadn't been joined by the other guy yet. No, not yet. So he now shows up at the cave-in, is what they've given the impression, that he's at the mountain. He's at the cave-in site. Right. But not where you would think a lot of people would be. You and, know, if the president, if it's news, you would think now that the front where that cave starts, or the mine starts. Right, would be... Uh, Full of reporters and people and all kinds of people. But he is at another point of the mountain. Right. Where he is isolated by himself. And this is the scene I was saying before where that you can really, where George really sells it as yeah. a weakened Superman. He's weakened so and getting weaker. And getting weaker. Yeah. It's so good. So the the VP is going to blame Superman for the cave And he's uh, mouthing off to the second Superman who's hanging out in jail. 
and he gives this Superman a test. He can go free if he can break out through the cage. And he shakes the bars, and he can't move them. Because apparently, the vice president wanted Superman to uh, walk out of the out of the jail and get torn to pieces by an angry mob. Right, there's an angry mob outside waiting for him. Because the vice president told the people that Superman killed the president. Right. Superman couldn't, because he was in jail. It wasn't very well thought out by the vice president, was it? No, it really wasn't. But... That but it doesn't need to be well thought out. All you need to be is a salesman, a con artist. Right. And give a line to people that they want to believe anyway. Because I don't believe that he knows about the Superman at the, at the mountain. No, no. He doesn't know that there are two different Supermen. And so, so obviously Superman gets a little smug with the vice president. He says, nope, I'm not going that way. But he pulls the loosened bars off of the window and flies off. Because obviously he has to help with that one. Right. So he goes to join the... The first Superman at the uh, at the mountain, and that's where he finds uh, the other Superman that's kind of feeling sorry for himself. Yeah, a nice little scene here. Yeah, he's just sitting there on the realization. rocks. Yeah, the realization that they really need to be one person. Right. He's not much help as he is. And he seems to have no way, well, he has no way to contact the other Superman either. He can't just go to the jail and say, hey, we need to uh, join right. back up. And I guess they couldn't use super ventriloquism in the TV show like they do in the comics. Because I'm guessing here, he doesn't have the power to fly back. It would be difficult, I think. It's giving them the, they're giving us the impression that it's getting harder for them to do anything super. Right. Because if he could have, he could have just flown back to the, to the jail and, and tell the other Superman, look, we need to try to. Yeah, let's go. But he just sat there and waited for the other Superman to show up. Well, I don't think he was waiting for him to show up. He had no idea that he was coming. He just couldn't do anything until he got there. You know, because you see how relieved he was when the other well, Superman showed up. Right, even making the comment, as Lois would say. I'm glad to see you. Exactly. Well, we should mention first that uh, the second Superman got shot as he was leaving the jail. Right. And the bullet did not bounce off. Yeah. It It affected him. I don't want to know how much it wounded him, but... Because, you know, they don't really show you anything. No, but he grabbed his... He uh, grabbed his side. Yep. And he almost fell over when he landed at the mine. Yes. Very weak landing. Right, so... Beautiful cape. So both Supermen are spent at this point. Mm-hmm. So now uh, they talk to each other. And it's funny what memory will do to you. Yeah. You know, I guess in my mind, I always remember this as a, a side shot of the two of them talking to each other. But it's mm. not. No, it's back and forth. Cut, 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 right. cut, cut, cut. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing George did one all half. Of one, yeah, all of one, and then they reset it up for him to do all the others and then edit those back and forth together. It, it, yeah. was, it, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. But this is one of the spots. There was one other time in the jail, in the jail cell, but there is one cut back here, and I think it's when George is on the right looking at you and the stuntman is in the foreground left. Right. Where it's obvious that that's a whole different guy. Oh, it's it's um, obvious. Most of the time, they don't leave the shot on him long enough. If you know, if you know to look for it, it's obvious. If you know all to look time. for it, it's, it's it's obvious the entire time. Right. But every once in a while, it just jumps out. It's almost jarring. You go, oh wait, that's not him. But right, they do once... such a good job with it. And George, the way it's edited, your eye goes to him every time. You don't really look at the guy who's got his back to you. 
right. unless you make a conscious effort to go, okay, I'm going to watch this guy now because right, I want to make sure I know. Like, yeah. In the jail when they were taking the, the window off, right? They, may, they as much of an effort they made for you not to see the stuntman's face, they made an equal effort to stage it so that you, the camera saw George's face. Exactly. Exactly. And they kept the stunt guy even hunched over and made sure he didn't look, he didn't do anything. He looked to the right slightly to give a nod to the other Superman after they got the window right. off. Right. At that point, you saw enough of his face to notice that right. it was different a different profile. Guy. Yeah. But uh, in this back and forth, again, they cut it so well, so quick, and it was shot so quickly mm. that unless you actually want to take the time and go, oh, hey, look, his ears are bigger. Right. Or something, you know, um, you go along with it. You buy the bit, you buy the premise. Right. I think it's the scenes of, I think when the second Superman is talking, where it's the, you see more of the stuntman. Right. And and when the first Superman talks, you pretty much only see George. But right. you know what? Even George is kind of sl- slumping a little bit, too. He's not standing up straight with full, uh, as he would normally. No, not until they're back together. And, this whole scene, they're both slumped, both looking kind of weak. Right. Uh, George even has in one scene, I even thought of a kingdom come stance. He's got his arms kind of down, but folded in front of him looking right. down. Thought, wow. That's kind of a kingdom come stance right there. Yeah. But he, yeah they, they're both feeling bad, but then they, they agree. They have to become one person again. And they're even hesitant to do that because they don't there know if it's going to work. There must be some pain involved. There must be. Man, they also know it may not work. And when they separated they both look like, wow, not sure I want to do that again. Right. But they do it. Yeah. So now they're back. And basically what happens is it's the opposite of what we saw the first time. It's the second Superman walking walks back into the first. Right. I guess if they were doing this today, they probably just couldn't do this in the 1950s. Is Start with one and then two would walk out. Oh, yeah. They could do all kinds of special effects today that... But they, that that they couldn't do then. That probably would have been a more accurate way to envision this, but they probably just couldn't do. It was easier to do it the way they did. Right. I mean, we've even seen stuff already in the Flash where uh, he moves so fast he appears to be in two places at once. Right. So you know, yeah. Today, all the cards are on the table. You can do pretty much anything. The uh, but in in 1957 or eight when this one was filmed, this was big time stuff. You had to do double exposures. You're using film cameras. You got to shoot it two times or right. more. Post production was much more difficult to do. Took people with chemicals and their hands drawing on it. Right. So yeah, it's it's uh, and considering that even then now by this point there's. They're considering this a kid's show right. that they even spent that much time doing this episode because all in all, there's no real humor in this show. No, there isn't. This is, this is a serious episode from start to finish, you know? This is as dire as it gets for him. Yeah, yeah. So now that he's back together and he flies into the mountain, another loud, fun effect of Superman drilling through the mountains. Oh, but, in this. before he drills in, the scene of him going through the wall... Yeah, it is recycled from Dagger Island. Yeah, is that where it came from? I didn't know exactly which one, but Dagger Island. Okay, it's Dagger I knew Island. That was where he digs the spring. Okay, all right. I knew it was from the earlier one, from another one. You mean where he dives into the the hole where he makes the hole the first time, so they can have water. Yeah. So the diving into the initial making of the hole 
in this one is the same is the dagger island retake yeah okay yeah huh interesting and yeah a neat little effect here of him uh borrowing through some cartoon rocks yeah, I love that. I think that yeah. was funny, and it was really loud too. They made some grinding, yeah, he sounded, he sounded like a drill. I'm not yeah, sure that's a funny. sound Superman would make, but well, I don't think he would make that flying sound that he makes that apparently everybody can hear. Right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, but uh, that's Superman. But another, and then a nice crash through the wall. The funny thing is about about that little animated shot is you can clearly see that it's animated over. The regular the shot of him flying down. Yeah, it's the regular him. It's his regular flying scene, and they've tilted it down so he's looking down, and then they've animated burrowing rock around him. Because if there's ever uh, a gap, but in again, the, it it worked. I mean, you, if there's ever a, once in a while there'll be a gap in the animation, and you can see the sky behind it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, but it's very good. It's a fun thing, and then he does a great crash through. Oh the wall. yeah, it's a great one, and. Uh, Saving everybody, just a terrific. It is. This is one. This is one of one of my favorite episodes. It's just such a great, great episode, and it's it's so serious. And um, you know, this one comes right out of a comic book. This one, it's just a really good episode, all in all. And again, like I said in the first one we did tonight, everybody was in character. Everybody was believable. They were confident. They were comfortable in their character. And George just sells it to the hilt. You know, there's there's no question when he split into two that those are two very weakened Superman and getting weaker. Right. Uh, just terrific. Just I like terrific. the fact that they're using more science fiction concepts in this season. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. And I love them. And, uh, you know, even when they add – and I think, you know, and this is something else funny. When they add a power that Superman doesn't have. Like splitting into two people right. by willpower, okay? They did that so much better in this episode, for example, than they did Superman 4, where Chris Reeve has all of a sudden rebuilt the China Wall with his vision powers. Right. Okay? That was totally unbelievable and stupid. Uh, the Cellophane S, unbelievable and stupid. And that's a high-budget movie. This was a weekly television show. Right. And they On split a shoestring a guy- budget. On a shoestring budget, and they split a guy into two people, believably, and George and uh, Hamilton and Noel Neal sold this thing. And in fact, all the other ones too, the president, El Presidente, and the vice president, typical bad guy henchmen, they look the part, they acted the part, um, in spite of the snideness of, yeah, they're all white guys playing yeah. foreigners. Well, that that's who was working in Hollywood at that time. But that's that's who was there and who would take the 400 bucks they were getting paid that week or whatever it was. But terrific episode. This is one of my favorite episodes, probably top three, probably right. in the top three, definitely in the top five of, of the whole series. Um, well, color. I, I still have to split right. color and black and white. And really, first season stands alone. Right. But of second through sixth, this is one of my one of my favorites of all it's uh it's one back early on when we started talking uh, about doing this i said definitely i want to be there for divide and conquer because it's it's uh it's just so good if you really people if you haven't seen that i think it's funny you're listening to the man of screen podcast this much into it if you haven't seen these episodes uh but you really need to go and spend the 10 or 12 bucks or whatever it costs on ebay to get these discs now 
they're they're very affordable you should have the entire series and uh this is one that is just so so special and i think it makes season six even more special for a number of reasons one because season five was a low point there were so many bad episodes in season five so many childish ridiculously boring bad written badly scripted badly acted it's just like everybody took a break right and and then they come back for season six and you've got three or four of the best of the entire series right are in this the last season and uh, one one of which we're going to be talking about next week Next week, uh, and I'm thrilled to be back to listen and talk about that one. Of the color episodes, it it rivals it. It <coughs> is my number one favorite. So, uh, but we have some good stuff coming up, and in the right. color episodes for season six to end the way it does, it it adds a level of saying, "Wow, they really brought it back together for right. season six. And then you think, "Oh, but it's so sad because of both Hamilton and Reeves dying at the end of season six. Right. Hamilton dying while they were still shooting parts of season six. Oh, oh, he, they were still filming. Yeah, um, that's why he's not in all that glitters. And uh, there were two or three at no, the he, end. No, he, he's in. He is in all that glitters. Is he? Then they must have shot that much earlier. Uh, but uh, he's in the opening scene. With no, yeah, he's in all that glitters. Throughout. Okay. You're right. You're right. At the end, he is there. Too. Okay, I'll have to double it. But there are several in season six where he's not there. And I guess it's because, uh, like we said earlier, they shot. You said IMDB said that. Uh, Magic uh, Secret. Magic Secret was the last one they were in. So they shot them totally out of sequence. Then. Right. Uh, but um, it's too bad because he was so good in this one. He was so typical Perry White. He was in the scenes. He was there. He was right in it. So, uh, so much sadness at the end of this season, right. but, um, for such a good, good episode, good season. Good job. Yeah. So well, what did you, we don't even discuss is the ending scene. Oh, right. Yeah. And Perry announces that Lois thought Clark was Superman, but he was just resting his nerves. Right. And I love the who me, the shocked who, who me look. Right. Yeah. It's well very done. Funny. It's so done. It's so well done. Uh, and the chemistry between the actors now. And I just really love that. I love the fact that from day one, when Noel came in in the second season to replace Phyllis Coates, and she admitted this in an interview, that she yeah. was really very nervous and was blowing her lines left and right and was having a real hard time. And George stepped up right. and, and said, hey, boom, let's do this. She's here now. Let's let's back up. Let's give her some room and supported her. Right. And George did that with the entire cast. You know, coming through the fence of of uh, Robert, Robert Shane. Shane with all the crap that was going on there, and standing up here for Noel is just such a such a great guy. And you know, just the fact the way it ended is so sad. But anyway, terrific episode. It leaves you with a smile, like the episode should. Everything right. is ended. You know, uh, the danger is over. Everybody's back to normal. Everything is ready, and they're all back to the planet, ready for their next adventure. And they are. And their next adventure will be next time with the Mysterious Cube (laughs) and then the Atomic Captive. Oh, man. Well, uh, again, yeah, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy. All right, Bob, where can they find you? You can find me at supermanforever.com. Bob at supermanforever.com if you want to get right to me and send me some email. But that's where my show is, the Superman Forever Radio podcast. 
and uh, got some good stuff happening over there. I'm having them been inspired lately, and it's all your fault, Mike Zumo. I accept no blame. <laughs> it's all your fault. I get blamed yeah. for enough around here. <laughs> but uh, having some fun over there, and I'm doing more production and more taking more time than I probably should have, but uh, I'm having a good time. So going to get some episodes out here and then coming time so but superman forever radio all right and in addition to this podcast you can find me on the fear of the walking dead cast on the two true freaks network zombies yes zombies i'm guessing as the season is still going on when this episode was recording that we will most likely be on hiatus between the end of the season which was in early april and whenever fear of the walking dead comes back as there are two that's shows. a different show right? that's, a, that's, that's a different show yes Interesting. So there's still The Walking Dead. Yes, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead is much earlier in the timeline. Okay, so it's a prequel, a spin-off prequel. Yes, on the other side of the country. So there's no chance that... Uh, so it happened before whatever happened in The Walking Dead. Yes. Fear of the Walking Dead. Yes, Fear of the Walking Dead takes place within weeks of the outbreak. Right. I only watch one zombie show. I watch iZombie. Right. And that's coming back soon. Maybe by the time this is aired, it'll already be back. I like iZombie. And you can uh, email this show at manascreen at gmail.com. You can find the Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and put the Man of Screen podcast in your search feed, and it'll come up. And you can find the show on Twitter at manascreencast. You can also leave reviews for the show on iTunes and Stitcher. That'll help people find the show in those directories. So, for Bob Fisher, this is Mike Zumo. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode in the Amazing Man of Screen podcast. The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual, and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast. Thank you.